Section two of A Voice from Harper's Ferry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Voice from Harper's Ferry by Osborne Perry Anderson. Chapters five through eight. Chapter five More Correspondence My Journey to the Ferry A Glance at the Family Preparations had so far progressed up to the time when incidents mentioned in the preceding chapter had taken place that Kagi wrote to Chatham and other places urging parties favorable to come on without loss of time. In reply to the letter written to Chatham soliciting volunteers, the appended from an office-bearer referred to my own journey to the south. Dear sir, yours came to hand last night. One hand, Anderson, left here last night and will be found an efficient hand. Richardson is anxious to be at work as a missionary to bring sinners to repentance. He will start in a few days. Another will follow immediately after, if not with him. More laborers may be looked for shortly, slow but sure. Alexander has received yours, so you see all communications have come to hand so far. Alexander is not coming up to the work as he agreed. I fear he will be found unreliable in the end. Dull times affect missionary matters here more than anything else. However, a few active laborers may be looked for as certain. I would like to hear of your congregation numbering more than fifteen and two to commence a good revival. Still, our few will be adding strength to the good work. Yours, etc., J.M.B. to J.B. Jr. As set forth in this letter, I left Canada September 13th and reached blank in Pennsylvania three days after. On my arrival, I was surprised to learn that the freight was all moved to headquarters, but a few boxes, the arrival of which the evening of the same day, call forth from Kagi the following brief note. Chambersburg, blank, blank, J. Smith and Sons, a quantity of freight has today arrived for you in care of Oaks and Kaufman. The amount is somewhere between 2,600 and 3,000 pounds. Charges in full, $25.98. The character is, according to manifest, 33 bundles and 4 boxes. I yesterday received a letter from John Smith containing nothing of any particular importance, however, so I will keep it until you come up. Respectfully, J. Henry. Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, Friday, September the 16th, 1859, 11 o'clock a.m., J. Smith and Sons. I have just time to say that Mr. Anderson arrived in the train five minutes ago. Respectfully, J. Henry. P.S. I have not had time to talk with him. J. H. A little while prior to this, asterisk, asterisk, went down to blank to accompany Shields Green, whereupon a meeting of Captain Brown, Kagi, and other distinguished persons convened for consultation. On the 20th, four days after I reached this outpost, Captain Brown, Watson Brown, Kagi, myself, and several friends held another meeting, after which on the 24th I left Chambersburg for Kennedy Farm. 
I walked alone as far as Middletown, a town on the line between Maryland and Pennsylvania, and it being then dark, I found Captain Brown awaiting with his wagon. We set out directly and drove until nearly daybreak the next morning when we reached the farm in safety. As a very necessary precaution against surprise, all the colored men at the ferry who went from the north made the journey from the Pennsylvania line in the night. I found all the men concerned in the undertaking on hand when I arrived, excepting Copeland, Leary, and Merriam. And when all had collected a more earnest, fearless, determined company of men, it would be difficult to get together. There, as at Chatham, I saw the same evidence of strong and commanding intellect, high-toned morality, and inflexibility of purpose in the men, and a profound and holy reverence for God, united to the most comprehensive, practical, systematic philanthropy, and undoubted bravery in the patriarch leader, brought out to view in lofty grandeur by the associations and surroundings of the place and the occasion. There was no milk-and-water sentimentality, no offensive contempt for the Negro while working in his cause. The pulsations of each and every heart beat in harmony for the suffering and pleading slave. I thank God that I have been permitted to realize to its furthest, fullest extent the moral, mental, physical, social harmony of an anti-slavery family, carrying out to the letter the principles of its antitype, the anti-slavery cause. In John Brown's house and in John Brown's presence, men from widely different parts of the continent met and united into one company, wherein no hateful prejudice dared intrude its ugly self, no ghost of a distinction found space to enter. Chapter 6. Life at Kennedy Farm To a passer-by, the house and its surroundings presented but indifferent attractions. Any log tenement of equal dimensions would be as likely to arrest a stray glance. Rough, unsightly, and aged, it was only those privileged to enter and tarry for a long time, and to penetrate the mysteries of the two rooms it contained, kitchen, parlor, dining room, below, and the spacious chamber, attic, storeroom, prison, drilling room, comprised in the loft above, who could tell how we lived at Kennedy Farm? Every morning when the noble old man was at home, he called the family around, read from his Bible, and offered to God most fervent and touching supplications for all flesh. And especially pathetic were his petitions in behalf of the oppressed. I never heard John Brown pray that he did not make strong appeals to God for the deliverance of the slave. This duty over, the men went to the loft, there to remain all the day long. Few only could be seen about, as the neighbors were watchful and suspicious. It was also important to talk but little among ourselves, as visitors to the house might be curious. Besides the daughter and daughter-in-law, who superintended the work, some one or other of the men was regularly detailed to assist in the cooking, washing, and other domestic work. After the ladies left, we did all the work, no one being exempt because of age or official grade in the organization. The principal employment of the prisoners, as we severally were when compelled to stay in the loft, was to study Forbes' manual and to go through a quiet though rigid drill under the training of Captain Stevens at some times. 
at others we applied a preparation for bronzing our gun barrels discussed subjects of reform related our personal history but when our resources became pretty well exhausted the ennui from confinement imposed silence etc would make the men almost desperate at such times neither slavery nor slaveholders were discussed mincingly we were while the ladies remained often relieved of much of the dullness growing out of restraint by their kindness as we could not circulate freely they would bring in wild fruit and flowers from the woods and fields we were well supplied with grapes pawpaws chestnuts and other small fruit besides bouquets of fall flowers through their thoughtful consideration during the several weeks i remained at the encampment we were under the restraint i write of through the day but at night we sallied out for a ramble or to breathe the fresh air and enjoy the beautiful solitude of the mountain scenery around by moonlight captain brown loved the fullest expression of opinion from his men and not seldom when a subject was being severely scrutinized by kagi oliver or others of the party the old gentleman would be one of the most interested and earnest hearers frequently his views were severely criticized when no one would be in better spirits than himself he often remarked that it was gratifying to see young men grapple with moral and other important questions and express themselves independently it was evidence of self-sustaining power chapter seven captain brown and j h kagi go to philadelphia f j miriam j copeland and s leary arrive matters precipitated by indiscretion being obliged from the space i propose to give to this narrative to omit many incidents of my sojourn at the farm which from association are among my most pleasant recollections the events now to be recorded are to me invested with the most intense interest about ten days before the capture of the ferry captain john brown and kagi went to philadelphia on business of great importance how important men there and elsewhere now know how affected by and affecting the main features of the enterprise we at the farm knew full well after their return as the old captain in the fullness of his overflowing saddened heart detailed point after point of interest god bless the old veteran who could and did chase a thousand in life and defied more than ten thousand by the moral sublimity of his death on their way home at chambersburg they met young f j merriam of boston several days were spent at sea when merriam left for baltimore to purchase some necessary articles for the undertaking john copeland and sherard lewis leary reached chambersburg on the twelfth of october and on saturday the fifteenth at daylight they arrived in company with kagi and watson brown in the evening of the same day f j merriam came to the farm saturday the fifteenth was a busy day for all hands the chief and every man worked busily packing up and getting ready to remove the means of defence to the schoolhouse and for further security as the people living around were in a state of excitement from having seen a number of men about the premises a few days previously not being fully satisfied as to the real business of j smith and sons after that and learning that several thousand stand of arms were to be removed by the government 
from the armory to some other point threats to search the premises were made against the encampment a tried friend having given information of the state of public feeling without and of the intended process captain brown and party concluded to strike the blow immediately and not as at first intended to await certain reinforcements from the north and east which would have been in maryland within one and three weeks could other parties waiting for the word have reached headquarters in time for the outbreak when it took place the taking of the armory engine-house and rifle factory would have been quite different but the men at the farm had been so closely confined that they went out about the house and farm in the daytime during that week and so indiscreetly exposed their numbers to the prying neighbors who thereupon took steps to have a search instituted in the early part of the coming week captain brown was not seconded in another quarter as he expected at the time of the action but could the fears of the neighbors have been allayed for a few days the disappointment in the former respect would not have had much weight the indiscretion alluded to has been greatly lamented by all of us as maryland virginia and other slave states had as they now have a direct interest in the successful issue of the first step few ultimately successful movements were predicated on the issue of the first bold stroke and so it is with the institution of slavery it will yet come down by the run but it will not be because huzzas of victory were shouted over the first attempt any more than at bunker hill or hastings chapter eight council meetings orders given the charge etc on sunday morning october sixteenth captain brown arose earlier than usual and called his men down to worship he read a chapter from the bible applicable to the condition of the slaves and our duty as their brethren and then offered up a fervent prayer to god to assist in the liberation of the bondmen in that slave-holding land the services were impressive beyond expression every man there assembled seemed to respond from the depths of his soul and throughout the entire day a deep solemnity pervaded the place the old man's usually weighty words were invested with more than ordinary importance and the countenance of every man reflected the momentous thought that absorbed his attention within after breakfast had been dispatched and the roll called by the captain a sentinel was posted outside the door to warn by signal if any one should approach and we listened to preparatory remarks to a council meeting to be held that day at ten o'clock the council was assembled i was appointed to the chair when matters of importance were considered at length after the council adjourned the constitution was read for the benefit of the few who had not before heard it and the necessary oaths taken men who were to hold military positions in the organization and who had not received commissions before then had their commissions filled out by j h kagi and gave the required obligations in the afternoon the eleven orders presented in the next chapter were given by the captain and were afterwards carried out in every particular by the officers and men in the evening before setting out to the ferry he gave his final charge in which he said among other things and now gentlemen let me impress this one thing upon your minds 
you all know how dear life is to you and how dear your life is to your friends and in remembering that consider that the lives of others are as dear to them as yours are to you do not therefore take the life of any one if you can possibly avoid it but if it is necessary to take life in order to save your own then make sure work of it end of section two